Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our Thursday episode. Man, I'm tired, guys. I am tired. I know you don't care. I don't mean that as a complaint. I have no one to blame but myself, but I am I am tired. It's been a busy month, uh, a busy week and a half, a busy week. Uh, I'm, I'm loving that the network is live. I'm very excited about it. I love all of our shows. Everybody published this week. Hit the Horn, our TCU show. Midwest Madness, our basketball show. Rock Chalk Pod is pumping out. Game previews all week, this week, next week. Fire the Cannon is back up and rolling. And of course, the 10-12 here. I am so excited. And I am going to tease right now. Check out Monday's show because we have a new show that we are adding to the network, and we will announce it on Monday. And I am very excited to bring on a show for this fan base. And I am—I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to have this particular show joining the network. So that is on Monday. Very excited about it. For today, two fantastic guests. First up, Sam Herter of Hero Sports. We're going to talk Big 12 versus FCS. It's an interview, a conversation, a topic I do every offseason leading into the season, and nobody cares, and I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways, which I know is... Not what you're supposed to do, but I like to have this conversation. Uh, Find out which games, which Big 12 FCS matchups we view as the the biggest challenges. I hate saying like most likely upsets. That's the headline you write to to get people to, to pay attention, to click, to be like, oh, I wonder which one it is. The ones where the games will be closer than you would expect. And there's a couple of them. Then we're going to continue our realignment talk. Ari Tempkin of Sirius XM College Sports Radio, Big 12 Radio. Ari has been on the show many times. He's a good friend. He's a great friend, really. Um, He's going to join us. We're going to have our realignment conversation for today because we're going to keep talking about it, Uh, talk about where things stand right now, the latest that we know as far as Pac-12, Big 10, uh, Bob Bowlesby, and uh, Kalavkoff's conversation, their first date, their whatever you want to call that that six-hour meeting that they had earlier this week. Um, So we've got that. Um, also, we have continued our Sell Me On series where we're going to look at each of the eight Big 12 schools that remain and discuss what what they have to offer. Obviously, we started with Oklahoma State. Iowa State came out 
on on Tuesday, and we have Kansas State in the can, and that'll be out on Friday. So if you're a Kansas State fan, keep an eye on that. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, really interesting conversation about Kansas State as an athletic department as a whole. Uh, before we get to our interviews today, do us a favor. Please follow us on Twitter. That's at 1012 network now at 1012 network t in the number 12 the word network uh you can find all of our shows we're going to tweet about all the shows on there on a regular basis uh make sure you give us a follow on twitter so you don't miss any of those Uh, guys i I can't begin to tell you how excited i am for this network and and i really think you're going to like every show on it whether you're a fan of that particular team or not uh, follow us on the gram at 1012pod. It's still pod. Um, it's going to be a little bit more podcast of the show focused with continued graphics about things. I've been a little bit lazy this week, but I did launch a podcast network, so bear with me. Uh, go follow both of those. Leave us a rating and a review. We do have a new review. Um, and I'll actually read that on Friday's Kansas State podcast because it is related to Kansas State. But we would we would like to keep getting reviews for our show, if you don't mind. We're up to 52 ratings and i believe like 10 reviews if we can get that up to 60 ratings and if i can get two more reviews by the end of the month by the start of the college football season because i would love that that would be great for us i would really appreciate it one last thing a little podcast business as it were Homefield apparel the company that is the official sponsor of the 10 to podcast and the company that produces the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is anywhere connor and the gang i promise they are so freaking busy this week you think i'm tired and i've been busy they put out florida this week and it almost doubled almost doubled almost doubled what notre dame did now they got Miami coming, and I have a feeling Miami is going to do oh pretty, pretty, pretty well. I am looking forward to the vintage Ibis. I am um, probably going to buy any. I'm not going to buy Miami gear. I'm not going to buy Florida gear. Um, we'll buy things from other schools. There's other schools coming that I'm very intrigued by. One of them being a Big 12 school. Um, if you haven't been to Homefield Apparel yet, you really, really, really ought to go and find out why so many college sports fans are shopping at HomefieldApparel.com. They've got Big 12 schools like Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. They've got more than 100 schools available, like I mentioned. Florida is here. Miami is on the way. They've got Fresno State, Ball State, Tennessee, Navy, Hofstra, BYU, Colorado, Vanderbilt, Pitt. Okay. Fantastic vintage logos. Amazing stuff. The most comfortable t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies, and joggers you will find anywhere. So when you go, make sure you remember the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. It gets you 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping. And I promise you, you will not just buy one thing. So go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code 1012. Save 20% off your first order. Be racking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find. And you want to go ahead and get your order in now so you can be wearing it to games, be wearing it to your tailgates, wearing it during football season because people are going to look at it and go, where'd you get that? I want that. That is cool. Can I have that too? Just remember to tell them homebuildapparel.com, promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. All right, Sam Herter, Ari Temkin, long one, but a great one. Let's get to it. Does your team make the cut? We're here to decide. Hey everyone, this is Jahan J. Roger from Dave Gamble's Texas Football, and I'm here to invite you to the brand new college football playoff show. 
Cleveland.com columnist Doug Maurice and I talk playoff year-round on this twice-a-week podcast with topics like, what does Oklahoma need from its defense to rise to the top? Does Iowa State have the best running back of the playoff contenders? Does Texas deserve to be in the conversation to start the year? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at CFB Playoff Show. Best way to preview the Big 12's games against FCS teams is by doing it all at one time. And I'm very excited to have our good friend Sam Herter of Hero Sports back on the show. Sam, welcome to the 1012, man. Hey, it's good to be back on. Excited to talk about these matchups. Uh, obviously, last year, 2020 slash 21, none of these FCS versus FBS games happened. Uh, and so it's good to we'll be able to see some of these games in action. And uh, it's good to, to uh, preview them a little bit, too. Well, technically, that's not true. OU did get their Missouri State game in. Yeah, that's, that's suppose there were a, a few <laughs> handful uh back in the fall so yeah that's that, that is a fair point yeah so speaking of okay so we've got nine teams in big 12 have an fcs opponent on the schedule the only one who doesn't is texas everybody else has one at some point um and the way i want to look at this is is some of these games i mean they're going to be over before the teams even step on the field um so we might touch on a few of them just to mention it but i really want to come at these from the upset potential and, and what i want people to understand ahead of time big 12 fans is this is not a shot at your team it's more a commentary on these are quality fcs teams you should still beat and you're not going to get the credit for beating but if they are closer games than you expect because it's an fcs team you're playing this is why um because we're like how are you losing to yada 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 um, I was doing a little research from doing an article for the Land Grant Gauntlet um, about about upsets and and between Big Twelve or Power Five and, and FCS. Um, ever since the most famous of all FCS over Power Five wins of all time, that being App State when they were still in FCS over Michigan back in two thousand seven, there have been twenty six more occurrences of David over Goliath. Um, that includes a few here in the Big Twelve. Um, Sam, I want to ask you a question. Who do you think in the Big 12 has been who has lost the most games since then to an FCS team? Uh I would probably have to say um probably Kansas because I know they lost to South Dakota State and I know they lost to North Dakota State. So there's two. So I'll have to I'll have to go with Kansas on that one. It's a very good guess. I set you up because that's what everybody's going to guess. Kansas has three <laughs> since since uh, since that aforementioned 2007 season, or at least that game in 2007. Kansas has three. Iowa State has four. Mm, yeah, that would have been my second guess. I would have gotten there eventually. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's where I want to start. Uh, Iowa State facing a team that they have had trouble with and lost to uh, in the past in northern, uh, northern Iowa. Um this is a, a continually, consistently solid FCS program. Um, I would look through your uh, top 25 FCS rank, preseason FCS rankings, uh, which you put out on, on Herosports.com. Everybody go check that out if, if you would like. Um, and I don't, I don't see you and I on, on your preseason top 25 this year. I do believe I saw them in Athlons. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what is your take on you and I, and, and do you see a potential for an Iowa State letdown here? So I, I won't call, I don't think uh, Iowa State is in danger of losing this game. I do think it'll be more competitive than maybe Iowa State, Iowa State fans, you know, want it to be. I mean, it could be a, you know, I don't know, it could be a 14 to, to 7 type ball game going into halftime where maybe some Iowa State fans were expecting a, a 31 to 10 type of game at halftime. But I mean, 
Northern Iowa is loaded with talent. You go back to the 2019 season and then, you know, heading into the 2020 season, it was pushed back to the spring season due to, uh, due to COVID. Uh, and, and that Northern Iowa team, uh, I mean, Ellerson Smith and Spencer Brown both opted out of the spring season. They were both draft picks. Uh, Bradley Moore, tight end, transferred to Kansas State. Uh, they had uh, two defensive players that were supposed to be seniors this year. They both, tra- they both transferred to Power 5 teams. Uh, and so, like, this team is filled with talent. Now, that goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that we don't have them in our top 25 because all that talent has obviously left the team. They're no, they're no longer there. Um, and that's why we, you know, we don't view them as, as a top FCS team right now. But I mean, kind of my point is this team brings in pretty good talent every year in recruiting classes. So it's not your, you know, run of the mill, you know, below average FCS, FCS team. You know, they, they have pretty good talent. Uh, I, I will say if you are, uh, you know, if you like to bet on some of these games, I would definitely take the under. Uh, on this one uh, because Northern Iowa has been very, very bad on offense in recent years, but defensively they have some studs. And so, you know, I can, I don't see them scoring more than 14 points against Iowa state, but at the same time, I don't see them allowing, you know, 35 points. And so it, it could be decently low scoring. Combined slow start to the season with you and I, and, and look, I have no reason to believe Iowa state's not winning this game, um, but it is the opener. Iowa State starts slow, and so I, I could see a closer than you would like to see game from a preseason top 10 team. I will say this. If Iowa State comes out and just curb stomps them, it's going to make me feel confident because it's just not what we see from Iowa State start seasons. It's just going out and thumping a team, even of, of you and I's stature. And I mean, I think it was two years ago it required overtime for, for Iowa State to get that win. So um, that one is interesting. Take me to the next one where you look at and go, okay, this one, this one could be closer than we expect. I, I think Southern Illinois versus Kansas State, uh, uh, that to me uh, is probably going to be the most competitive uh, out of these matchups. I mean, SIU is, is, is solid. They have some dudes on offense. Uh, defensively, the Slukies aren't too strong. They're, they're, they're decent, but they're not a dominant defense. But offensively, they have some uh, offensive firepower. I mean, the Salukis made it to the quarterfinals during the spring season, kind of a breakout year. Uh, they, they hammered North Dakota State, who obviously uh, Chris Kleiman and a lot of Kansas State assistant coaches are familiar with, with NDSU, obviously, with the ties there. Um, and SIU absolutely hammered NDSU uh, during the spring season. And so, uh, I mean, a, a really good team. Uh, I, I think, again, the fact that that – you know, Kleiman is the head coach. He's obviously going to hammer home that you can't overlook an FCS team, even with 22 less scholarships, even if the, even if the players are maybe an, an, an inch or two shorter than what you typically see, or, you know, maybe their defensive ends are, are six, three, instead of six foot five, like you see in, in the big 12, you, you still can't uh, overlook this team. Uh, and so I think Kleiman will hammer that home. Uh, so again, I'm not necessarily calling an upset here, but I do think it could be a game that's, you know, within, you know, 10 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Again, it's not a shot at Kansas state. I've been accused of being mean to Kansas state. And I know that they're having a hard time right now with everything going on, but like, it's not the easiest FCS team to put on the schedule um, for Kansas state. They're of course going to open against Stanford in week one, uh, this game against uh, Southern Illinois, the Salukis, which is, well, no, I just, it's just, it's a fun mascot team nickname is in week two after that Stanford game. So, I mean, 
it may be a situation where they're they're riding high or they're coming off a loss. So it, it it's going to be a tricky spot in either way. Because again, I think you have the number seven in your preseason, six in your preseason rankings. I think all the all the preseason FCS rankings I've seen, they're they're a top ten team. So, I mean, again, it is a solid program. Um, let me run through a couple of these just so we can kind of get them out of the way. Oklahoma is going to play Western Carolina. I, I is Western Carolina team that finished one and eight last season. I I, I don't see this as being anything close to competitive past the like kickoff (laughs) um western or west virginia playing long island i had to go look up when i saw liu i was like what is liu i didn't didn't even know what that is i don't know what long island university is i have i have no idea um i don't think they're very good so that shouldn't be too much of an issue for west virginia um long island was is one of the newest teams to the fcs they were d2 two or three years ago now they're transitioning in and so i don't even know if they're up to the full 63 scholarship uh limit in the fcs so it could be you know 85 scholarship versus you know 40 scholarship so yeah that, that one will get pretty ugly pretty quick like west virginia's got 11 power five teams on their con- on their schedule so it's fine if they want to have a really easy fcs win uh, Texas Tech, Stephen F. Austin. This is Stephen F. Austin, not Sam Houston. It's a very different, famous person from the state of Texas who's got a FCS school named after them. Uh, I, I know Texas Tech struggled against Houston Baptist last year. Um, that was a pretty good Houston Baptist team. I, I don't think they will have the same issues this year. Uh, Baylor's facing Texas Southern. I know nothing about Texas Southern. I don't feel like this is a game where we need to really worry. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, Texas Southern has been pretty... Uh irrelevant they're not one of the the top teams uh in in their conference and so this is kind of i mean when you i have the whole list of all the fcs versus fbs games i did an article on eurosports.com and you know there's some you there's some you just scroll right on past because you see that fcs team name you're like yeah they're not gonna be competitive and and this this is certainly one of them so that leaves the other three that i'm at least intrigued by and and want to talk to you by let's start with uh, tcu versus duquesne uh, Duquesne finished four and one in the Northeast Conference last season. Uh, I think I saw at least one poll where they were receiving votes at the end of the year. Um, I believe their team name is the Dukes, if I remember that correctly. Because if your if your name team name is Duquesne, I hope to goodness your your nickname is the Dukes. Um, what's your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean Duquesne is a quality uh, team out of the Northeast Conference, uh, but the NEC is it's probably a you know bottom bottom three ish conference uh, in the FCS. And so they might be uh, somewhere in the number 25 to, to 35 range uh, in the FCS, maybe, maybe even a bit lower because they did have a, a good team a couple of years ago, uh, have taken a step back since. And so this is another game that, uh, you know, I don't, they do play pretty good defense. And so that could you know possibly uh, keep it in it. But, you know, at the same time, I think this one could, could, you know, get away from them in the second half. Uh, of course, uh, we mentioned Oklahoma, Missouri State. Missouri State now going to place the other team in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, this year. Bobby Petrino, of course, the head coach there. Missouri State had a pretty solid spring season. Um, surprisingly so. This is not a football program that's been especially good. Um, OSU facing Missouri State. I believe that is in week one. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think Missouri State can make this game interesting. Uh, you can tell that they got uh, much more athletic uh, during the spring season in Petrino's first year. He's brought in some some transfers, uh, and obviously, too, when you have kind of a, a splash hire like that, that can help in recruiting. 
Uh, I want to say it was the first time in 30 years that Missouri State uh, made the playoffs. Uh, they've been pretty irrelevant for a long time. They, they play in the same conferences like North Dakota State and South Dakota State and Northern Iowa. Uh, and so they've routinely been at the bottom of that conference until this spring season. In Petrino's first year, uh, they made the playoffs. And so they're moving in, in the right direction, obviously. Um, and I think this could be a game where, where they make it interesting and you know, I'm sure Petrino probably has a chip on his shoulder uh, with this game. Um, and a lot of the players do as well, because maybe like they were overlooked by, by some FBS schools. Uh, you have Missouri State preseason ranked number 21 in your FCS rankings. I've seen I think I've, I've seen them preseason ranked in the top 25 pretty much across the board as well. Um, yeah, that you could call it splash higher. I would I would call it a putting your selling your soul to the devil higher. But that's a whole nother discussion for another day. <laughs> Um, last but not least, uh, Kansas bathing South Dakota. Now, look, I, I, I say this because I know it's easy to take jabs at Kansas and it's a little bit lazy and I don't, I don't do that. This, this is not a conversation to be like, Kansas is terrible. Ha ha. They're going to lose to an FCS team. They actually haven't lost to an FCS team since 2018. So that got that going for them. Um, South Dakota. This is not South Dakota state. Who's really good. Um, this is South Dakota. Tell me about this game and, and your thoughts on this matchup? So I would I would put this one number two. You know, like if I had to rank it, most likely upsets. And again, keyword is most likely. Uh, maybe a better word would be most competitive. You know, potential games. But I, I, this would be my number two. Uh, South Dakota South Dakota is decent. Uh, again, they they play in the same conference as Missouri State, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Northern Iowa. They've been in the middle of the pack. Uh, they did make the playoffs a few years ago, but have regressed since then. You know, they, they have a couple of good linebackers. Uh, Jack Cochran, he's a name to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I believe he wears number 39, but he's a pro prospect. Uh, their quarterback has decent potential. He's a true freshman this last year. Uh, Carson Camp is his name. Uh, I think he could potentially – some big big strides uh you know, he's, he's a pretty big guy uh he looks really good throwing the ball it's just you know sometimes his accuracy uh is a little off and uh but i mean usd is a solid fcs team uh you know they're, they're not a top 25 team again they're maybe in that 30 to 35 range which puts them in the in the top 25 percent uh, of the fcs and obviously we know about kansas's struggles and so uh, yeah, like I said, this is my number two for potential upsets because I do think this could be a pretty good game. Yeah, look, this is not a situation me trying to take a shot at Kansas, but you've got a brand new head coach, new coaching staff that came in after the spring game. There's a lot of questions. You've had a lot of, of transfers out. You got some guys transfer in. Like, uh, I am giving. It's it's going to be lazy. People are trying to make fun of Kansas if they lose to an FCS game, team this year. Like, it's going to be lazy with everything stacked against them. Like. If this is competitive and they win, I think it's a big I, – I, I know that sounds sad. If Kansas gets this win, I think it's a good win for Kansas. I do. With with where their program currently is at, I think this will be a nice win. I'm not picking – I don't even want to pick this game. I don't want to do it. I, I don't like picking Kansas. It's just not cool. Um, I mean, I will, let me ask this, Sam, to, to kind of wrap up. Is there a FCS versus FBS game that we haven't talked about that you have your eye on this this season? Uh, for any FBS conference, any, any FBS FCS matchup, is there one you're like, keep an eye on this and it can be power five G five, just one where you say, if I had to pick an FCS team that would probably pull off an upset, it's this one. Yeah. One that I, uh, 
am looking at it as South Dakota State goes to Colorado State. Uh, SDSU very, very nearly won the national championship uh, in, in the spring, uh, but they did lose their starting quarterback early in that game, and he's out for the fall season. But, I mean, this – this South Dakota State offensive line is good. I mean, they they are as good. You know, I mean, they look like an FBS offensive line. I mean, they have two uh, two really good running backs. Uh, one of them, his name is Isaiah Davis, and he is from uh, – he was the Gatorade player of the year. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, he, in a state that's in Big 12 country, I want to say potentially Arkansas – uh, he might have been the Gatorade player of the year a couple of years ago, but was, was overlooked. I don't think he got any FBS offers, but he was just a true freshman this last year, and, and he ran wild uh, over the FCS. And so, I mean, big offensive line, two really good running backs, strong defense. Uh, Colorado State has obviously not been all that strong uh, recently, and so I think that that's one that, that immediately jumps off the page to me as far as a, a pretty good chance for an upset. Very cool. Uh, Sam, you do a great job covering the FCS. Uh, for everybody who wants to check out your work, where can they do so? Yeah, our website is heroesports.com, and then I'm on Twitter at Sam Herder FCS. Sam, again, appreciate your time, bud. This is a lot of fun. Always enjoy talking about this stuff, even though I don't think everybody else cares about it as much as I do. I don't know. I'm weird. Um, I'm just looking forward to the season to start, man. Yeah, yeah, I am too. It, it should be fun. And, you know, for at, when you sent me the, the list of FCS versus Big 12 games, I was kind of going down and man, eh, you know, this aren't the sexiest of matchups. And so I know we said a lot on here that, yeah, probably not going to be an upset here, but I, I do think you'll see some good FCS players in these, in, in these games and, you know, could, could have a couple of competitive ones. If nothing else, you're just, just watching some guys that'll be uh, transferring into FBS next year. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much that I was actually wondering that too, because, you know, a big reason FCS schedule these games is because they're money games, you know, they get 500,000, 600,000 that helps them operate their football program. But now all of a sudden, let's say, you know, let's say Southern Illinois has a running back that goes off against Kansas State. Now maybe K-State goes, you know, maybe we should uh, you know, figure out a way to get in contact with this guy, see if he wants to take a one-year, one-time transfer rule. Uh, and so that is kind of the, the weird dilemma that FCS schools will face. Or maybe they tell their key players, like, hey, don't, don't dominate too much here. <laughs> Just hold them back, hold them out. Sam, appreciate your time, man. Hey, thank you once again. Welcome basketball fanatics and Big 12 enthusiasts to your new home for Big 12 basketball. My name is Christine Butterfield and this is the Midwest Madness podcast. Here we're going to be discussing men's and women's basketball in the Big 12 because each side has such deep programs that they should be talked about equally and that's what we're going to do here because the men's and the women's side both have such talented athletes and such deep programs that trust me there's going to be so much content you won't even know what to deal with we're going to have great interviews guests that represent each school to get the best coverage possible we're going to have deep dives into the programs game recaps when the season finally tips off obviously bracketology will be involved at some point and we'll even get into the big 12 players that are making a splash in the nba because as we all unfortunately know college doesn't last forever but the midwest madness podcast is now here to be your big 12 mecca 
of information when it comes to basketball. I'm so, so excited for you guys to be able to finally have a place that you can call home. Before I uh, let you guys go, though, I wanted to give a special thanks to Philip and the 1012 crew for inviting me into their network, inviting me into their family, and trusting me with this big responsibility and I cannot thank them enough for allowing me to start this podcast with them. They're such a great network and group of people that I feel blessed to now be a part of. So with that being said, let's kick this off because this is going to be the mecca of Big 12 basketball. Any Big 12 basketball needs you have, any Big 12 basketball information you want, you will find it here. Every single school is going to matter here, and every single school is going to be represented on both the men's and the women's side, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear what content we have coming up for you. So, here you go. Like, I would love for these podcasts for a while to just focus on football, but that's just not the reality of, of, of the world that we live in right now. So, of course, we're going to talk a little bit of realignment. And, um, very excited to have our good friend Ari Temkin of 105.3 The Fan, Sirius XM College's Big 12 Radio, joining us again. Ari, welcome back, man. Appreciate you asking me. Thanks for having me. It's good to, good to talk to you again, buddy. Absolutely. No, we were both at Big 12 Media Days, and there was nice, you know, just, hey, how are you? Uh, didn't get to hang out uh, as much as we had we had hoped and liked. But it's really funny to go from what just seemed like a simple, easy, I mean, literally you saw articles about like, how this was just a nice, cordial Big 12 Media Days, nothing crazy, nothing wild. You got Bowlesby up there like, nobody asked me the realignment question. (laughs) I just made five bucks. (laughs) And then we sit here now and Texas and Oklahoma have um, dropped a nuke right on the Big 12 and everything is not cool and great and awesome. I'm just I'm I'm curious from you from from Big Twelve Media Days to now like what what was what is the wave that you have ridden and where are you at at this point? Yeah, it was it's pretty wild. Um, you know, we 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 interviewed everybody, including Bob Bowlesby at Big Big Twelve Media Days, and you know, it's it's funny. My co-host Dave Archer had you know basically complimented him on how good of a job he had done in navigating all of these things over the past year and, and talking about great leadership and how, you know, how, what a benefit it is to have such fan, fantastic leadership in dealing with, you know, the pandemic and, and sort of navigating that. And then of course, you know, all of the changes in, in college athletics when it comes to name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal and, you know, college football playoff expansion, you know? And so it was, it was just, I just keep thinking about that and you know, how, I don't want to say how wrong it was because, you know, look, I, I think contrary to popular belief, I, I don't think that Bob Bowlesby was asleep at the wheel here. Um, I think he's done. I think he has done a fantastic job in navigating all these things. And, you know, I hope he can continue to do a fantastic job in what is going to be sort of, you know, the, the coda to his career, certainly, but also, you know, basically the difference between the big 12 surviving and not. So um, yeah. And then, you know, you, you have that and then, the week after, you know, you're just sitting around getting ready for the next show and doing some work. And all of a sudden you look on Twitter and you're like, what this can't be. And so you text some people and everybody's as surprised as you are. And including those, you know, in the big 12 offices that I, that I know and reached out to. And, 
here we go. Away we go. Yeah, I know it's it's easy to bash on Bullsby, and I mean I've I've vented my frustrations about him, but I mean he should have known he should have done these things, and I get all that, but I, I think part of the problem is if we all knew this was inevitable, and everybody keeps saying like it was inevitable, we all knew it was going to happen, everyone just knew this was coming, and it's the timing of it that's weird. But at the same time, like, how did Bowlesby not stop this from happening? Like, there's cer- there's a certain, like, talking out both sides of the mouth of, okay, sometimes two things can be true at the same well, time. Well, there's nothing he could have done. You know, like, what, right. what, what, you know, if he's asleep at the wheel because he didn't expand to Cincinnati and, and USF or UCF or, like, what, what was, like, there is nothing that he could have done to put this conference in position that would, co- that would rival what Oklahoma and Texas are getting. There, there's yeah. Texas and Oklahoma are about to be in a conference that's going to get between 60 and 70 million uh, per year, per television, you know, per, per partner, per member institution. There's just no moves out there that the big 12 could have. I mean, could they have gone and said to USC and Oregon come join the big 12? I mean, maybe that does it, but I mean, there's just no realistic move that they had that equals what Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the SEC to the SEC for. Yeah. I guess the, the biggest problem for me is always like, this always felt more – I know we talk about Oklahoma a lot and that they're the ones really leading this train, not Texas. It's probably what Texas wants you to believe. But if you asked me you know, before this happened, if someone was going to lead the Big 12, who's more likely to do so? It was always going to be Texas. Right. Like tex, tex, That's Texas's thing. Texas is, is all about Texas. Now, I, I think part of the problem with Oklahoma is you know, Oklahoma was a certain way because David Boren in part was the president of, of Oklahoma. And he believed in these regional rivalries and he believed in being connected to Oklahoma State and the Big 12 and and trying to big the, build the Big 12 because it benefited Oklahoma by doing so. But you've got new leadership. You've got Joe C. running the ship now far more than, than the president at Oklahoma is. And things change. And so, I mean, honestly, we all say like they should have expanded. And I see all the people who write for Oklahoma using them. They should have expanded and that that would have made things happier and David Bourne would have been happier and oh, the other eight schools settled for whatever the deal ESPN got them. But I, I do always come back to like, okay, ESPN and Fox both said, don't add other G5 schools and make us pay for them. It's not worth it. We'll do this instead, right? So you are supposed to be making, I just, I feel like there's so many moving parts to all of this and so many things that you can't control, especially like Bowlesby as, as one guy. Like he, we could argue that Bowlesby shouldn't have been the commissioner and they should have found a Greg Sink. I just like, there's so much at this point that I don't even want to sit back and look back and like, how could we have stopped this? You can't stop it. It's done. We're moving, like reminiscing about the past is not going to change well, anything for the future. And I think you brought up a couple of good points here. So let's start with the leadership change. I think you cannot underappreciate the importance of the leadership changes for both Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the previous administration of Texas put a tremendous value on the academic side of things. I don't think that any of the previous administrators of Texas would have been fond of the move to the SEC from that standpoint. Um, and, and, and probably had, I wouldn't say they wouldn't leave because of the regional piece, but, but I would say, you know, that was a part of it. Um, as, as you mentioned with Boren as well at Oklahoma. So, you know, I, I think that you cannot understate the importance of the leadership change here at both of these places you know, and that, that playing a pretty significant role here. And then there's just the, like, you know, look, I have a ton of respect for Barry Trammell um, of the Oklahoman, but I mean, he just, he wrote a piece that I thought was absolute crap because I mean, he, he got quotes from the administration of Oklahoma that were basically saying, 
hey, we we told the Big 12 to expand and they didn't expand and that's why we're leaving. And it's like, if, if Oklahoma and Texas wanted the Big 12 to expand, they would have expanded. Like the entire Big 12 existed at, to please Oklahoma and Texas. They, had, they, were, they were the power here. This is like LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers or even LeBron James currently with Lakers. You, they're, pulling, they're pulling the strings. They're making the decisions. They have the most power here. And I know like, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth with some people on Twitter because David Boren was open to the idea of expansion, but anything from a public standpoint that, that proves credibility to that in terms of like an actual vote proves that like there was never a, there was never a vote or anything that validates that David Boren or Oklahoma wanted to, to expand Boren and everything I've gone back to read was all for it. But then they, when they went through the process and interviewed candidates and talk to television networks like everybody came back to the big 12 and said we're fine at 10 so to your point is there any reason to rehash all this probably not but i i do think it's worth pointing out to a certain degree like there's nothing the big 12 could have done to to save this if oklahoma and want in texas wanted to go to the sec to make 60 to 70 million per year in television revenue there's just no other conference that could have offered that including the big 12 and i don't think that there's much in terms of credible evidence that suggests that, that David Bourne in Oklahoma actually wanted to expand beyond saying it beforehand and then going through the process and not voting for it. Yeah. So OU and Texas are going to leave. Who knows when? It could be 2022, 2023. None of us think it'll be 2025. It just doesn't. I can't. No way. How many times I keep making this comp of like, you don't you know, break up with somebody and then live in the house with them for four more years. Just that doesn't make any sense. Um, so all that aside, it, 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 the focus, I think, for most of the conversation is 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 now the eight that remain. Um, and whatever cheesy, crummy, really slightly uh, demoralizing nickname you want to throw at them, which is fun for media and not so great for the eight teams left over who have to listen to that stuff. Um, I'm not, I'm, ir- I'm irate over the irate eight. The irate eight is less insulting like the husk of eight or anything that relates to them as like garbage, which seems to be what everyone wants to lean but here's, toward. But here's the thing is this has been such... Like you think about just the, the, like from a standpoint of the national conversations on who has value and how, like how insulting so many of these conversations are, you know, I mean, you, you like, there's so much stuff you can read from folks at the athletic and other publications that are just like, you have no value other schools. You're, you know, so like even forget about just like the classification of these eight schools. It's just like this continual pounding of like, Texas and Oklahoma carried you. You have no value. You're not worthy to any other school. I mean, it's just this, and, and just the whole conference realignment, you know, tap dancing. It's just, man, it's tough. It is really tough. And it really, it just sucks. And it's, you know, it's just like all of these media members, you know, basically telling us whether it's Kansas or Oklahoma state or Iowa state or Kansas state or whatever, like you suck. And here's why you suck. And it's just this continual, like, here's why you don't matter. And here's why you have no value. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. While simultaneously, a lot of them arguing like, this sucks for college athletics. It's so bad. It, you know, and it's like, huh. But, but you're leveraging the popularity of college athletics through these huge brands to basically make the money you make in covering the sport. So um, you don't get to basically say like, you suck and have no value, but uh, man, does, isn't that terrible for all these schools that are left out? And, and I, I brought up this point because I was so sick and tired of hearing about it. Like, in aggregate, there is value here, right? Like, oh, otherwise, why don't Oklahoma and Texas just play 10 games, right? Like, why, why, why don't we just see Alabama play Georgia 
all all year. Like at, at the end of the day, there's like eight or nine brands that, you know, in, in air quotes that matter here. And if they did that, college football would fail because you need these smaller, lesser markets, quote unquote, right? You In aggregate, you need them. And this is the reason the Oklahoma City Thunder exist. The Lakers are the brand that everybody flocks to. They're the, they're the most sellable brand in, in the NBA. The Cowboys. The Cowboys are, despite how bad they've been, not getting to an NFC championship game in two decades, they're still on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football. They're, they're on national television all the time because they sell. Their brand is incredible. That, the, why do the Jacksonville Jaguars exist? In aggregate, these small markets matter, and they make up a huge portion of your fan base. And that's what I think is missing here. Individually, Kansas State's market is not good, right? Individually, Kansas State has no brand. Individually, but in aggregate, they matter. Well, and you, and you, then you look at some of the – I don't, I don't want to go into the like, I'm going to laugh when – certain media members trash the eight schools left over and then wonder why they don't want to read anything that they produce. And it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just take a giant dump on us? And then, well, see, they don't, they, they're not passionate because they don't even read the stuff that we write or subscribe to our things. It's like, because you sit here and just trash them for months and weeks. Tell us why like, we don't matter. Oh, well, now you want to talk about us in a positive light because it generates revenue for you. Like I get all of it. I do. That's the game. But also, to some extent, it's like, good job doing ESPN's job for them by continuing to tell you that these have no value. And this is this is the thing we got into with with, with Levi, Vodder, and Nighty Light. Like, my big concern is these eight schools have far more value than that people want to tell you they do based off of, oh, they're only worth AAC school revenue. And I'm like, that literally makes zero freaking sense whatsoever. But go ahead and do that because it sounds cool and it makes all your AAC readers really excited to come out and trash Big 12. But at the same time, like, there is evidence to show that's not actually what they're worth. But the problem is you're doing ESPN and Fox's work for them by saying they're not worth anything. So the Big 12 has lost, the remaining 18s have lost any leverage whatsoever when they have to, if they try and stay together, to go have negotiating power to make what they need to make. So now the school's like, no, you're only worth this. And then you have no other options or you're going to have to take whatever we give you. Like it's, I get it. At the end of the day, there's one. There's a rule to live by, which is something is only worth what someone is going to pay for it. But the problem is that you've got a lot of people in bad faith stating what this is worth, which is bringing down the value of it. If everyone's trashing something, it's like that whole like we're going to tell that girl that she's awful and hideous and ugly and stuff, so she'll date me because right. that's what's, right. that's right. that what that's what works. Like that's literally the strategy they're using right now. It's like tell these schools they're terrible, so the self esteem will be so low they'll take whatever we'll give them. And look, I mean, I. You know, when when you're in the media, you know, sometimes, especially on the national side, you can fall into that trap in terms of like, well, I've got to do content that placates to the, you know, the, the largest number of people in my base, right? Like I've got to figure out topics that are going to cast the widest net. And that ends up being these, you know, big, bad, important brands. But like at the end of the day, you know, it, what is the Pac-12 without USC and Oregon? What is the Big Ten without Ohio State and Michigan? What is the, what is the ACC without Clemson? What is, you know, so like now the SEC has more important brands. They've had literally what LSU, Auburn, Alabama have all won national championships the last 10, 15 years. So, I mean, they've got the Florida and you can throw Florida in there. Florida. So they, they, they are the only one that's kind of, but right. Yeah. I mean, the ACC is Clemson and, and then I guess Florida state. Right. In terms of brand, but Florida state is, is bad. And I mean, maybe they'll be getting better, but. Who knows? And people forget how small of a school Florida State is basically just it used to be a teaching school. I mean, Miami, Miami's a brand, but they haven't been relevant in, in more than a minute, it, in like two days. And the secret sauce is gone. 
you know, like there, there's now a national recruiting base that's pouring in to take the kids from Miami. Like a lot of those kids are staying and go to Miami. That's not happy. So like my, this is probably as good as Miami's going to get again. You know, like the idea of Miami being back, like that's, that's not going to happen because they just don't have the advantages that they had, you know, back in the nineties. So yeah, it's like, again, this thing doesn't work. If we have just USC, Oregon, Ohio state, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Clemson and Florida state. And then, you know, handful of a few, like, it's not going to work. There's, there's just not enough popularity across the country to satiate, you know, the numbers that's needed. Like if, so that at the end of the day, it's like, that's, even though you're, you're, you're spinning on all these different, you know, smaller programs, lesser brands, you know, throughout the country, like it doesn't work with just those important brands. Like they might be the, the reason that some of those, you know, television revenue numbers are so high, but like without, without in aggregate, these the smaller, lesser brands, quote unquote, matter a huge amount. Well, and that's why you see if people want to write the articles about, and I, and we've you know we've said on here like if the, if there's going to be a group of college football that branches off on its own to go do its own thing, like the number is not ten or twelve, it's like thirty two, right? Somewhere between like twenty eight, thirty two teams, because guess what? Somebody has to lose games. Like, and those right. big brands are going to make sure it's not them. Like they're going to make sure they have teams that they can beat up on to win. But there are a lot of teams right now who I, the Florida States or the, the, the Wake Forests and Boston colleges of the world, the Vanderbilts and Kentuckys, the uh, Illinois and I love Indiana, but Indiana's the Oregon States and Washington States. Like they, what's happening to these eight schools in the big 12 that are left is going to happen to a lot of other ones. And part of me is almost like, can we just, can we just fast forward to that point? Because then we're going to have these like college, there will be this national college football, like minor league system going on that won't be nearly as popular as people think it's going to be because it doesn't, it's not pro. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And no one, minor leagues don't make money. Like what they're not telling you is like, you need all these different schools because college football works when you have all these different schools and regional rivalries and fan bases that care about the thing they care about. And you're going to have to have 32 teams, but I'm almost like, can we just, just whoever those teams are, figure it out, send them off into space into whatever they're going to go do on Mars or the moon or whatever. (laughs) And can we just get back to other, like to just college football? Can we just like, you know what? We're all going to make 17, 18 million. We'll figure it out. Like, okay. Let's just, let's just do that. Let's do that. Because I'm, I don't want to, like, this is going to drag on for another 14, 15 years until the ACC's media, terrible media rights deal falls apart. It comes to an end. And then the SEC takes whoever, like, part of me is like, and I don't want to talk about this for the next 15 years. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I don't want want to talk about it for the next 15 minutes. No. Okay. So let's, let's move on. No, no, but but, I I mean, it was kind of a joke because I've just done an endless amount of talk radio on this but let, let me just make this point because manhattan kansas is what makes college football college football stillwater mm-hmm. oklahoma is what makes college football college football and i know it sounds kitschy or whatever to say you know something like that but I, like like there is a level of self-esteem that elite athletic programs bring to a town bring to a city bring to a fan brace bring to a university that's a big reason for why they fund these programs in the first place is the, the self-esteem that it brings. Okay. We can compete at this level with these programs. And so it is, you know, and that, that to me is just the essence of this, you know, it, it's, 
college towns across the country. There's there's big cities sprinkled in here, as we know, with Austin, Texas, and obviously L.A. and you know New York. And but I mean, for the most part, the entire lifeblood of college football is small college towns. That's identity is built and rooted in those universities. And, and, and again, to a certain degree, the self-esteem quote unquote of those universities. And so, you know, like it's just, it's so off-putting the way that these, these particular programs have been treated despite that, despite sort of the spirit of college athletics, because it's not the big towns and mega brands that drive us to these games and, have us spending all this money and wa- listening to these podcasts, watching games and devoting our time to it. You know, it, it's not, it, it's just, and that's, that's the whole in aggregate point of, you know, the power of all of these Manhattan, Kansases and Lawrence, Kansases and, and Stillwater, Oklahoma's and Fayetteville, Arkansas's right. It's the power of all of them. Yeah. Okay. So looking forward, <clears throat> no one knows anything and I don't believe anybody. And if they tell you they have an answer, I don't believe them. And I, 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 and there are perfectly respectable people who are getting information they believe credible. But at this point, I, I don't, I, I don't think very many people know anything, but I think a lot of people might know a little bit of something and then go from there. No one knows what's going to happen and nothing's going to happen quickly. It's all going to take months because remember Oklahoma and Texas had at least six months, if not a year to be planning on this. So if you think something's going to come from the big 10 pack 12, whatever the next month before the end of the football season, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. So forecasting is dumb because no one knows anything and and we can, we're doing episodes on like why this team should end up in this conference, but no one knows. Um, Right. It's a fool's error. But I do want to talk about, yeah, I do want to talk about, this um, this budding romance between Bob Bowlesby and the new Pac-12 commissioner, uh, whose last name I'm going to mispronounce poorly, despite how I've heard it said. Klyavkov, thank you. Um, who went on a first date on on Tuesday night. Uh, apparently it was a six-hour date, which is, I think, lengthwise one that you're happy about, but you're not calling all your girlfriends to brag about. <laughs> like, maybe there was a kiss at the end, but it doesn't really sound like it. And I don't even think there was a rose handed out in this particular situation. It was just like a... Uh, just kind of a little meat cute going on. Um, I will say this. Silence, I think, is good. Aggressively vocal anti-anything. Like we're hearing a lot of stuff in relation to the Pac-12. Like it feels like everything you keep hearing from the Pac-12 is like, doesn't matter, doesn't work, don't need it, da 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 there's no benefit, la 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 Like it's that idea of um doth We're protest than too much well there's a doth protest too much of like we don't need that we have we'll be fine where everyone's like no you won't no you're not right. like the pac-12's only advantage is their is their location and geography like this whole like i keep bringing this up well the pack the big 10 should go poach usc and oregon and stuff i'm like ou to florida norman oklahoma to uh, Gainesville, Florida is a 17-hour drive. You could do that in a day if you really wanted to. Penn State to Eugene, Oregon is a 41-hour drive. And I didn't even do Rutgers because no one I don't think you could do that in a day. I don't. I don't. I, I, I did a Google search and I, I couldn't come up with that as, a, as, a, as an option. <laughs> the point is like geography, no matter how much money you make, is always going to matter. And so the Pac-12 is always going to kind of limp along to some extent to me because... And you, to me, if USC is going to go anywhere, they're just going to go independent because they can. Um, like there's, there's always a handful of schools. Like I thought Texas is more likely to go independent than join the SEC, but here we are. I mean, realistically, if you look at the Pac-12, like 
doesn't it feel like they have to do something? They need to add games in the central time zone. They need to have teams playing at 11 o'clock. I understand you're like, well, they don't bring enough value. These teams, that's the whole selling point. Team, These teams don't bring enough value. Oh, because a Utah-Oregon game, I'm sure, is really tearing it up these days. <laughs> um, and TV ratings. And again, I, I don't mean that as a dick. Oregon just, State, Washington State. Woo! That, man, that is, pack, you can't, ha- you can't have Pac-12 after dark. Pac-12 after dark, baby. So, where it let, I'll start by saying the Pac-12's advantage is, advantage is not geography. It's USC at Oregon. Uh, in fact, I think their their geography is a disadvantage. Um, the Pac-12 is in a really bad situation, but is only made better by the Big 12 situation. So yes, it's like our boat is sinking, but your boat is sinking faster. It's basically what they your decided. Boat is sunk. Right, like you're. <laughs> You're, you're sinking and clearly going down, but we're, we're okay here, even though we're taking on water in our boat. Like, you know, I remember when George Klavkov was hired, you know, some of the people I, I sp- spoke with sort of, you know, insiders were like, who? Very relative unknown. And that to me is such an interesting part of this entire the subplot, of this entire deal. Kevin Warren is just on the job a year plus, the, the Big Ten. Jim Phillips is just on the job uh, at the ACC. Uh, and, and George Klefkov is just the job on uh, in the Pac-12. Brand new guys. Um, so it, that's a really interesting part of this. Uh, and then, of course, you have Bob Bowlesby, who's, you know, on his way out. Um, and, like, the Pac-12's got diminishing revenue from its TV deal. Um, they The Pac-12 network gets zero distribution. Um, and so, I mean, they're, they're sinking. Look at and – then, and then look at the talent pool. You've got DJ Uy Ungalele who's from Southern California is going to start at Clemson. You've got Bryce Young who's from Southern California is going to start at Alabama. JT Daniels at, did go to USC, but now he's going to start at Georgia. Is also a Southern Cal kid. Uh, Spencer Rattler is from Arizona. He's starting at Oklahoma. Um, CJ Stroud, most likely the starter at Ohio State, is from Southern California. Are, are we setting a pattern here? Ton of talent, none of it staying in the conference. So you have. Not great recruiting. You're not keeping these kids at home. You have a bad, you have bad television deals. Um, I, yeah. Like the, the, I mean, I mean, it's so typical, like, you know, San Francisco, Northern California, right. Like snooty, turn your nose down, but it's like, okay. I mean, yeah, no, no. Pac 12. If just stand pat, stand pat, let's see what happens because your television deal right now is, is basically two, you're, you're, you're getting half as much money as the SEC will be getting uh, in their new TV deal. And granted, if you're the Pac-12, you've got a new TV deal coming, but like, is it that much better? What do you do with the Pac-12 network? Like there's, so, you know, maybe they get to a point where they're like less than half of what the SEC is getting, but they're just not in a great spot either. Same with the ACC. You know, the ACC has a TV deal to, through 2036, but it's not great so either. Bad. Yeah. So especially comparison deal for ESPN. Yeah. Especially comparison to the sec who again is in line to get between 60 and 70 million per school in this new deal with the addition of Oklahoma, Texas. So, you know, again, the big 12 is the, in the worst spot. They're the wounded duck here, but the PAC 12 and the ACC are also not in a great spot. And this is an arms race. And so if they're fine with standing pat and losing money hand over fist year after year after year, because well, they've moved up in the, 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 the power five hierarchy, like not by much, <laughs> not by much at all. It feels like there is a there is a battle behind the scenes going on between Fox and ESPN. 
that, that no one seems to quite want to talk about. And ESPN is getting all the flack from the Big 12 and everything. And Fox is just sitting there quietly doing whatever they're doing. And nobody really knows. And I, we should talk about the whole like Bullsby versus ESPN because I don't really know what the fault, what, where that's going. But, um, you know, the ESPN is going to throw all their money to the SEC. They've been doing it for a year. They've been building the SEC up. Like you can't tell me the SEC is, is a power without the help of ESPN as the, the power behind the throne to some extent. Um, so they've got their primary in, ES, in SEC and they've got their ACC sweetheart deal. And there's not going to be a whole lot more money to go around to the Pac-12. Fox has the Big Ten. They're about to fork over a ton of money for the Big Ten. I don't know how much money they have to throw around for stuff. So they're going to have to figure out how to get a sweetheart deal from the Pac-12 unless they feel like they could do something from the Big 12. Like it's starting to feel like there's going to be an ESPN versus Fox. ESPN is going to have the Big Tw- or the SEC and the ACC. Fox is going to have the Big 10 and if they want to do anything with the Pac-12, but there's only so much money to go around. There's not a third party unless CBS is like, "Well, we lost the SEC, maybe we should go get something else." And I don't know that CBS cares that much. Um NBC's not doesn't seem like a player and everybody can keep talking about Amazon and, and Apple and all these things folks that's not how that works if you look at Amazon how Amazon has worked with the NFL it's been a very slow progress and now they have one game that they have the rights to they're not I doubt they're going to looking to spend a bunch of money on owning a conference that doesn't make a whole lot of sense they'd be more likely that they will buy one playoff game when the playoff expansion comes and everyone goes maybe we shouldn't just let ESPN have all of it because it doesn't actually make financial sense um, I, so I, my, I think your hope for the big 12 is that Fox looks at the situation and goes, okay, well, we have to, we've got to lock in the pac 12. We need to have that content. And Hey guys, if you're going to do that, you might as well add some stuff in the central time zone because we can only play so many big 10 games in the middle of the day and, and actually get decent viewership unless we're just going to put Ohio state on at 11 AM central time every single week. Yeah. I mean, I think to the first point by the ESPN pulling the strings, you know, I don't think it's a massive conspiracy. I mean, just just listen to what we've heard from basically the other commissioners at this point, and and more specifically, at commissioners um, with with uh, leagues that um, don't have exclusive rights with ESPN. Uh, we've heard Kevin Warren say that we need to put put a pause on college football playoff expansion. We've heard George Klyavkov say that. We've heard Bob Bowlesby say that. So those are three conferences that do not have exclusive deals with ESPN. Um, I don't remember Jim Phillips saying it. ACC has an exclusive deal with ESPN. And uh, Mike Resco of the American Athletic Conference came out um, on Tuesday and said, uh, who has an exclusive deal with ESPN, says we should push forward with college football expansion. So don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and <laughs> don't think, I, I just, I think this is where A&M really screwed the pooch here. Um, I think mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma, we're going to wait until probably after the season in order to get this news out there at the very earliest. And by that point, a vote would have already happened and this thing would have passed. But we were on track for this thing to pass uh, by the end of 2021. And now that's not going to happen. And there's a 0% chance that happens now. So I think we eventually get expansion. Um, I think A&M really saved a lot of people here. And, you know, if you're Texas, Oklahoma, (laughs) and and if we're- It's so funny. It's so- It's so A&M. Oh my gosh, they they just- they screwed over the SEC. They screwed over ESPN. 
Because, yeah, that would have been in place. Like, Sankey's, this this is the brilliance of what was happening and why it feels like a mobster move of, we're going to get this playoff. We're not going to tell anybody what we're planning. We're going to get this playoff expansion set. We're going to bring in Oklahoma and Texas, and we're going to own, ESPN's going to own this thing, and we're going to have half the teams in it every year. Now, it's going to get pushed back to the end of the contract so that other people can bid on it. And if I'm college football, whatever, whoever's running the show, I'm not letting one network pay for it. I'm saying... We're going to do this like the NFL does, and y'all can have playoff bid on playoff games individually. How many would you like? Let's see. Let's see who wants to pay for what, right. as opposed to right. one network owning the whole thing. Because it's also it, that is all that would be healthier for college football is if one network didn't own the whole thing. Because now you can't just push us. Your, your bias is going to be towards the the, right. the conferences you own. Right. But it would be more beneficial. I think you make more money if we're really going to talk about money. If Fox owns some of them, ESPN owns. Well, look at the NFL. Yeah, and the NFL's proven rotate the national championship. Now, now you get into Apple wants to buy, Amazon wants to buy one because they want to they want to collect the data and see what it's like and see what they get and see if there's any any reason to invest in more than that. Maybe maybe Facebook, maybe CBS wants to buy one. Like it makes so much more sense. ESPN wants to own the whole thing. It makes more sense to follow the NFL model and let lots of different networks buy playoff games because I feel I get the feeling like I'm pretty sure NBC, NBC, all of them would be happy to have at least one that they get to put on their network and make a buku of money off of. Turner, uh, Turner Sports certainly and then yeah, I mean not even to make mention of um of amazon apple hulu netflix whoever if they do end up ever wanting to get into the you know north american sports model um live sports model but yeah it's um a&m saved us a&m <laughs> saved us and you know if this thing so you're getting sat at the kids table and, and i mean just think about how much oklahoma and texas regret their move if five six seven years down the road we still don't have expansion yeah, I mean, I, I I would say without a doubt, this move doesn't happen without expansion. Oklahoma's not going to put themselves in a position to play in less playoffs, which they do with the 14 playoff plan of the SEC. So part of it really hopes that we don't get expansion, at least not for a long time, so that, you know, Oklahoma can really stew in their mistake, leaving a conference that, you know, if they won their games, they'd have a good chance to go to the playoff for another conference that they're going to lose four games, three games in a season. I mean, I guess 11 a.m. kickoffs on ESPN is better than 11 a.m. kickoffs on Fox. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Look, I love. Uh, we're gonna. We are still pro OU in Texas while we're here until they leave. When they leave, a whole other story. But for right now, we're good. Um, and I guess it's just you. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I will. I'm gonna enjoy this season, assuming it's the last, um, with every fiber of my being. And um, go Iowa State. Save us. Ari said it. Um, Save us. <laughs> Um, okay, let's, let's end on this. Um, I am, I am at the point now that I will believe other schools have real landing spots when it's announced that other schools have real landing spots outside of the big 12. Um, I just, I am, it's not so much the pessimist to me. I'm just, there's just too much information to purse through. And if, and, and at this point, if you think something's going to happen, it's, be, it's because you're riding on hope and look, hope is a, is a dangerous thing. If it's something that you have no control over, hope is a valuable thing. If, if you do have an influence on, on what the future might bring. So let's say the big 12, the remaining eight, I think remaining seems like the least offensive nickname for them. Um, the eight who remain, if you want to get kind of more uh, old English, 
let's say they, they are forced to stick together and, and see this out, which means expansion. You're going to have to bring in teams. You might as well bring in four and get back to the number that's in your name because it makes no sense to go to 10, and there's not two who are going to bring that much value now that you lose Oklahoma and Texas. So if you're bringing four teams in, this is a fun exercise to do because everyone has their opinion, and I'm always I feel like I should aggregate all these opinions and see what the poll comes out to. Obviously, you're going to pick the four that whoever, whichever network you land with says these are the four you need to add. They're the most valuable. But for you, you're going to think it has to be four. It cannot be two. What four are you adding? Uh, USC, Oregon, Ohio State, and Michigan. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I suppose we're – at this point talking AAC. So, uh, you know, I mean, Houston, SMU, UCF, USF, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't, here's the thing. I do believe that there's legitimate interest um, in some of the schools in the big, in the big 12 currently, you know, is, is that Kansas to the big 10 is it Kansas to the ACC is it Oklahoma state to the PAC 12. Like there's, there's value here for, for many of these remaining eight. So I think you've got a situation to where, everybody's having conversations like, you know, maybe the big tens like, well, we'd like Notre Dame, but, and maybe we'll, in, we'll, we'll talk to USC. We'll throw that out there, but you're kind of our backup, you know, Kansas and Iowa state. Like, I just think there's so much jockeying and there's so many conversations. There's so much happening that it, it's sort of tough to predict. I, I think part of what's keeping the big 12 together is the guarantee of money. And if you're Kansas, for instance, and the reason maybe you haven't, you know, won, announced a decision to go to the big 10 or even gotten a dis- an opportunity to go to the big 10 yet is because I think, am I paying 80 million if I'm Kansas to get out of this deal and go to the big 10 right now? Cause that's a lot of money to give up. Right. Or I could ride it out and I'm, I'm guaranteed to get the money through the rights here, either by keeping Oklahoma and Texas through, through this deal against their will or through the payouts they're going to give us either by leaving after this season or leaving after the next season. I think the most likely outcome is the Texas and Oklahoma leave after 2022 and start in 2023 where they're cutting their, that in half. And now what was 80 is now 30, you know, 36, 37, whatever it is. Right. So um, I think that's most likely. And, and I, I just think all these schools are holding on for dear life for that payday um, and then trying to figure out what's in their best interest. If I'm, if I'm some of these schools that have other options in the big 12 and Bob Bowlesby comes back and says, Hey, we're going to add Houston and SMU and USF and UCF. I'm out. I'm out. I, I, I've got better options at bigger conferences that are going to get me more money than what I'll be getting with those. So, you know, I don't know what's in the works, you know, could, could there be a situation in which they get a huge payout from Oklahoma, Texas, and now they decide, Hey, maybe we can give some sort of a signing bonus to one of these power. I'm just throwing stuff against the wall here, trying to think creatively beyond just the standard, you know, uh, AAC stuff. So, I mean, get your popcorn ready. I just, I, at this point, <clears throat> I don't trust Big 12 leadership to be creative. I, 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 mean, I mean that, I understand it, but it's, it's always been about the bottom dollar and it still is. I, I have not seen anything from them that says we've, that has shown creativity enough to make me believe that they, they can do that. I mean, you, you tried to not have a conference championship game and force two teams in, you got none in the playoff, then you had to put a conference championship game and it was the right move. But like it's always been, the big 12 has always been so reactionary to things and they don't know how to react to this. I have a hard time believing that now they're going to be like, you know what? Let's really, let's figure something out. Let's really get creative and see how, if we can lure some teams from the pac 12, who's not as strong as they, like, I just, I just don't know that I believe that. 
Like, I almost think some of this has made the other conferences kind of, you know, pull ranks and tighten, you know, really tighten things up and, and do everything they can to focus on holding it together. And the last thing they're going to do is let the little old falling apart Big 12 poach from them. And, and and if you're another school, do you, what would it take to get to leave your conference that has at least some stability to go to a conference that doesn't show any? Like, I, I just, I I have a harder time imagining even that than the, the the eight any of the eight schools landing at another Power Five conference, I just I just don't see that. And again, all these eight teams that are left together are left together. I, there may be some quote unquote unity because they all want to get paid out, but they're all going to jump ship if they can at the first sign of the opportunity to do well, so. And so, I, and to that point, I mean, it, it's their survival. The Big Twelve survival depends on it. It depends on creativity. You know, look, and maybe you're right, and maybe the Big Twelve eventually goes away because of it, but you know, look, this is the pursuit of dollars. This is the great American dream, right? Of capitalism and whatever <laughs> offer you get is the best offer. And, you know, if the PAC 12 really is, you know, we're fine with where we are. We don't know how much value these, these other teams add. And the ACC's is feeling the same way. Like fortune favors the bold fortune favors the bold. And, and it, it is an arms race. And these, these administrators are not stupid. They know the money that's out there and they know the money that they're getting. And so they know the reality situation. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, while I agree with you, uh, I also think, you know, somebody has got to be the aggressor here and maybe the, the, the most likely entity to be the aggressor is the one that has the littlest to lose. At the end of the day, I still think it's conferences are going to do what the, the TV networks tell them to do because they're the ones who are basically providing True. the money. That's, that's your resource. If the money is the resource, where's the resource coming from? It's coming from Fox and it's coming from ESPN and NBC and if if they say jump the conferences will say how high and like for instance I don't there's no way the ACC expands because ESPN is not going to let them there there's no way ESPN is going to be like yeah go ahead bring in Kansas we'll renegotiate that deal they'll go we're not going to give you another penny another penny we're not going to do it mm. this you're locked in like I don't think the ACC is a realistic option like I just I don't I don't think they can you can tell me the conference commissioner but ESPN has too much say to, to, in, in my opinion on what the ACC does moving forward and they're not going to let them get out of that sweetheart deal the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 are the reasons you the ones you hear the most because Fox has been so quiet you just don't know what they're going to do mm. and I and again we're going to have to deal with this with, for months because no one's going to have an answer until maybe the end of the season I just I am so glad that we are less than 30 days away from the start of college football. Like, <laughs> even if that means our, we're going to have to watch like Nebraska, Illinois, which is, <laughs> I, can I watch, I would rather watch a Mac game because that sounds like a Mac game. I'm sorry, Big Ten. Like that's, you want to, you want to trash the remaining Big 12 teams. You got Illinois and Nebraska in week zero. That's not Mac action. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I got to get going. All right. Ari, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Where can everybody check you out? Uh, at, uh, on Twitter at Ari Sports, A-R-I Sports. Ari, appreciate your time, bud. Yeah, no, absolutely. Podcast Network.